Okay, here's the, here's the lies we're going to deal with and the truth we're going to deal with today. You need to struggle with temptation. That's the open lie. Everybody say that. The open lie is I need to struggle with temptation. Who believes that they need to struggle with temptation? Yeah. And this is why you've you got to struggle with temptation. Well, okay. See, this is where we, we've got to get this into our ideas. Is it true that I need to struggle with temptation? Or is it, should I speak to the temptation, not struggle with the temptation? The truth is, I need to speak to the temptation and not struggle with the temptation. I don't want to struggle with the temptation because that's me trying to do something. I need to stop the effort because it's not by my effort, it's by his word. And I need to speak to the temptation, not struggle with it. Now, we get caught in this trap every time because in our society, we have this value system that sort of goes something like this. If you're adequate, competent, achieving, you're a person of worth. And, and, and worth is associated with your performance so that if you're not actually doing something physically, you know, battling something and getting over top of it and climbing on top of it and, and overcoming it, you really aren't, you know, overcoming. You know, you've got to be, your worth is, you have to be performing. And yet all of the work that we need to do in Christendom has been done for us. Jesus says, you want to do the works that you need to do. And they said, what is the work that we need to do in John chapter 6? And he says, this is the work that you believe. Believe. And Jesus shows us the template. He shows us in Matthew chapter 4 that when he was tempted, now we know that there was no sin in him, but that does not mean he did not feel the pain of the temptation. He felt the pain. He was hungry. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He, he was hungry and thirsty. And, and when he said, you know, turn the, the stone into bread, it was like, okay, physically that would have been, uh, you know, a temptation for him. He would have felt the pain. Did he struggle with the temptation? Did he say, oh, no, put the flesh down? And What did he do? Jesus had flesh feeling. Flesh is not sinful. Flesh is human. Jesus had flesh, and he has flesh and blood like it, so he had flesh feeling, he had feelings of hunger, he had feelings, hunger pangs, he, he felt those things, but did he struggle with it? Did he go, oh, yeah, resist the devil? What did he do? He spoke to him. The temptation was a personality. He looked at the personality. He took the word of God and said, I'm speaking to the temptation. And he did that every time. The temptation came. Jesus felt it. But he spoke to it like it was a person. And it was the person of the devil. The question is, we, we get to this thing that happened. It's just me, you know. It's just me. You don't know what it's like to be me. You know, I need to try harder in my life. If I tried harder, I could overcome more. And yeah, I know I'm feeling pretty lousy because I've been overcome this week and I'm, I, I need to stop certain things and I need to start at certain things. I need to try harder to get through my life to become victorious. It's just me. What I'm feeling is the stuff that I'm feeling. It's me. Well, the truth is, it's not you. It's not you. The truth is that it's the devil and it's the world and it's the flesh speaking to you. And you are separate to that. And then you need to speak to it. Line it up and tell it to leave your line. Now, we, we had a situation some years ago. Liz can testify to this. I don't know whether she wants to even tell you about this, but... 
you could probably pick up a microphone, Liz, and turn it on, and we can have a chat about it. So, you know, she doesn't know this is coming, but, I'm, but I'll, this is, so she's got the other mic. Now, we, had a, we were in this hall here, and we had a prayer time. This was a, a number of years ago. At the, and at that time, um, I think the prayer meeting was, or the, the time of prayer was at the end of the service. We asked people to come up, and there was a young lady come up, or middle-aged woman come up, and uh, I was praying with her, or going to pray for her with um, another gentleman, and Liz stood behind her, placing her hand upon her back. Now, I called people to come to the front to minister to this. Well, there was a number of people there. So, so while I'm praying, I'm praying for this. And I watched Liz. What happened, Liz? T- tell me what happened. So we prayed for her. I laid my hands on her. And then when we finished praying, um, I had some pretty disgusting thoughts come into my head, telling me that I was crap, was the word, in my head. A worthless piece of... Yeah. was the exact... I oh know. Yep. That was the one. So um, this was a very strong emotion that she felt. It was just her. She felt that. It was just all over her. She just felt that she was just so disgusting. She looked at everybody else in the room and said, well, you know, everybody else is so holy and righteous and right. And then look at them praying. And I'm just feeling so bad. I must be worthless, you know. So she walked to the corner there. Warren was standing on the corner. She talked to him and I watched him and they walked out that door over there. And I watched them walk away. And I thought to myself, what has just taken place? This is called a temptation. It's called a, a feeling, an emotion, a lust, a, a strong uh, emotional reaction to something. So I rang you, was it that afternoon? Because I was concerned. I thought, well, Liz is just gone. She didn't say goodbye and she looked kind of disconcerned. So I rang her and I said, Liz, um, what happened? So she said, well, I put my hand on this woman and as I was praying for this woman, I just thought to myself, I am a disgusting, worthless piece of... I said, oh, that's the devil talking to you. So what did you think about that? I thought you were an idiot. (laughs) I thought what you said sounded ridiculous. I thought that you were making excuses for me. Um, I felt like you didn't understand. I was hearing from God and God was telling me the truth about me and that finally it had been revealed that all these people were so beautiful, I didn't belong and I didn't deserve to be there because this is the real me. The truth has now finally come out. This is the truth. I have to leave. I'm not coming back. Goodbye, Mark Reed. Interesting, huh? Let me just tell you what happened. She's walked away. So I've taken the hands of the woman who's standing there. I said, uh, how can I pray for you? She said to me, can you pray for me? I am a worthless piece of the exact words that Liz took on from the outside, ingested and became part of her emotional feelings, strong desires to run away, were the very words that came out of this woman's mouth. I said to her, well, that's what this woman said. I said, can't you see that the devil's just jumped from you? From her to you and communicated that to you. You need to speak to it. Now, how were you feeling at that point of time? Tell me about your emotional state at that point of time. I just felt totally exposed, totally ruined, totally revolting. I felt dirty. I felt um, disgusting. I felt um, worthless. And, yeah, like a piece of rubbish. That's exactly how I felt. Like I took those words on, experienced those words, believed those words, and wanted to distance myself from God, the church, and especially you. You were annoying on the phone. (laughs) Okay. So I said, speak to them. Speak to them. 
speak to... I mean, the temptation is the fact that you're feeling something that is not good. That's the temptation. Whatever that passion is, whatever it is, if it's lust, if it's filth, if it's fear, if it's anxiety, if it's pain, it doesn't matter what it is. You're feeling something that God doesn't want you to feel. That's the tempting. So I said, speak to it. And she thought I was an idiot. I said, okay, I'm an idiot. But do it. Speak to it. And so what did you do? Well, I think I said, that's nice. You really think it's going to jump onto me and then jump somewhere else, do you? That's hilarious, Mark. I'll see ya. So I hung up. Um, I felt awful. Then I started praying. And then God stirred this idea up that maybe what Mark said was correct. It sounds ridiculous. It feels ridiculous. But I think that's the truth. So I'm going to do it anyway, even though I think it's ridiculous. So I did it. I, you, I prayed, in the name of Jesus, leave. Uh, oh, now, mm, what happened? <laughs> you were right. <laughs> now, listen, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We have a woman who's in severe pain, emotional stress, duress, pain. She's losing everything. She's going to walk away from the church, going to walk away from her her work for God. She's reached the place where she's finally come to the truth that she's lost and completely lost from God. She'll never, ever amount to anything. She's a worthless piece of nothing. And and she's she's feeling that. She's feeling that strong emotion. Then she speaks to it. And it's gone. Like, you know, one minute is there screaming at her, this is what you are, this is you, this is you. Don't you know you come to the realisation this is you, this is what you are. And the next minute she's back with Jesus again and it's gone. Now friends, you either struggle with that Every day, oh, I just, and just keep on coming to church, bound up inside, believing that you're a piece of worthless. Or you speak to it. Command it to leave. And don't struggle with it anymore. See, the devil cons you. He says, you know, you'll just accept it. It's just you. It's just who you are. It's just where you come from. It's just the background that you have. It's the family of origin. It's what's happened to you in your life. It's the stuff that you've gone through. That's why I am like I am. It's just me. And then he says, well, I've got you accepting it now. While you're accepting it now, you're going to stay there because you won't do anything. You will just struggle with it every day. And you will struggle day after day after day with this horrible, horrible thing that just shackles you up. And you won't live in freedom. You won't live in liberty. You won't live with Jesus. You live with your pain. You have to speak to it. It's not your friend. It's not Jesus. Yep. When I spoke to it there was no sense of I'm powerful it was the opposite it's like when you're weak then you're strong so at that particular point in time I think one of the problems is that we wait until we're strong to do it but it's in our weakness and in our emptiness and in our nothingness and in our sin and in our temptation and in the middle of all of that it's like Jesus said in the wilderness it is written It is just these simple words of faith. And there was nothing of me other than this little glimmer of faith that was as small as a mustard seed that would say, in the name of Jesus, leave. There was no sense or feeling or emotion of power or sense of anything good. It was just this little strand of faith which he gave me to say the words. That's it. And then he fulfilled Yes. So I just, I guess I want to make the point that it's, we, don't wait till you feel like it. You yeah. have to do it and then afterwards the feelings come. So the temptation is that, you know, we think, okay, we're going to fight with temptation, we're going to battle temptation and we're going to wait for the day that we're feeling strong. 
You see, that, that's the, this is the problem. We're waiting for the day that we will grow up and become stronger in our faith so that we can resist the temptation and walk in overcoming. Because that's the way we overcome. Because I'm going to walk through my life overcoming because I'm strong in my faith. Oh, you are strong in faith. Look, you're, you're, it, you're not going to necessarily feel any sense of empowering at that point of time. You just have to believe. Believe that the source even though it feels like it's in you, it's part of you, it's not in you, and part of you is just an effect being worked on you. It's not in you and it's not part of you, it's an effect being worked on you. It's like God, Satan can, can get there and he can work on you from the outside to get you to believe something on the inside so he can get a deposit on the inside so he can hold you there. But it's not on the inside. You feel like it's on the inside. It sounds nonsense to say it's not because what I'm feeling on the inside is strong. The temptation is strong and loud and powerful. My faith is small and and weak. It's a mustard seed. And to think that if I speak to it and it would go away is complete nonsense because it is so strong what I'm feeling right now. So the truth is that we don't have to work out that temptation by our own effort. Look, Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, okay, you have to work. No, wait, he says... For it is God who works in you to work and to will for his good pleasure. He's not saying that you have to apply effort on your own strength to try and overcome these things. He's saying, look, you work out your salvation because your salvation is on the inside, but it is God who's inside of you empowering you to work it out. Now just speak the word. Speak the word. Speak to the temptation. Oh, I didn't say converse with the temptation. I didn't say discuss with the temptation. I didn't say debate and argue with the temptation. I told you to speak to the temptation. There's a difference. We're not entering into a discussion about this. I might feel the rage of temptation on side, but I'm not entering into discussion about what that really is. I'm speaking to it now and say, you know what? You're not going to do this to me. Push off. I'm a son of God. I'm born of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus is inside of me. I might feel like you are trying to manipulate the core essence of my being, but I want to tell you something now. My mind's fastened into the Word of God. Get lost. Get out of me. Get away from me. And you speak to it and tell it to leave. It's my profession, not my performance, that secures it. We live in a world that's all performance-based. That's why we think, you know, well, some, you know well, we look and we get a meeting together and we hold up all the people who performed very well in a sales seminar and we stand there and we listen to how well they perform. We <laughs> very well and we all wish we could have performed as well as that. These are obviously people of worth because they earn more money than we did. <laughs> so anyway, we come to school and we watch our class performers running around the Oval and we think, oh, well, I wish I could run like that. We watch them in the high school, you know, when they're doing the test. We say, what did you get for your test? And we ask them, compare cards and, and who's got what. And, and, and oh, well, he got A's and I, I got C's and D's. Well, they're obviously better than me because our whole society is Pinged upon, hinged upon this idea. You, to, to be worth anything, you've got to perform well. It's completely alien to God. God did not say perform well and I'll accept you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we could not perform, he shed his blood for us that he could save us. And by grace you're saved. That not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. No boasting in this. He has done the work for us. 
Now listen, I, I don't want to dismiss anybody's feelings here. And, and I'm not going to tell you that the feelings that you feel are, are not necessarily real. They, they are very real. The affectations, the emotions, the pains, the, the lusts, the feel, they are very real in the sense that you feel them very strongly. But there is a limitation to what they can do and what they can't do. You have to cooperate with them to empower them. And that's the thing. If you don't cooperate with them and you speak to them, you can dismiss them. Oh, that sounds too easy, Mark. <laughs> you mean, if, I, if, I, if it was just a case of doing that, mate, I'd just stop selling tomorrow. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he who is faithful is that promised us. You know, you know we, we listen. We looked at this, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. And I mean, we talked about the grace and peace. Remember we talked last week about the storms of life. You know, Jesus is in the boat, you get on the and as soon as you get you know, the storms, the winds and the waves outside the boat, outside the boat, blow on the boat, push on the boat, make everybody in the boat feeling wet, feeling scared, you know, the outside the boat, not in the boat, the storm is not in the boat, Jesus is in the boat, the storm is on the outside of the boat, but everybody's feeling scared in the boat. It's outside you. It's outside you. Say it. It's outside me. You, some of you, you just do not believe that. And I'll tell you why you don't believe that. It's because you feel it. You feel it. And because you feel it on the inside, it's part of your chemistry. You think because it's on the inside and part of your chemistry that it lives in there. No, it does not. It can be excited from the outside. You can feel it on the inside, but it does not necessarily live in there unless you are not born of the Spirit of God. If you are not a Christian, yes, it lives in there and it's controlling you. But if you have Jesus on the inside, Jesus on the inside has done away with it. It is just what he does from the outside now to try and manipulate you. And then what you allow to hang around on the inside because you are deceived. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. So, so what we learn about God and what we understand about Jesus and what comes from Jesus is, is enough for everything that we need for life and godliness. I mean, we could, we've got all the answers there in the knowledge of Jesus. So what do we know about Jesus then? He says, he's called us by his own glory and virtue. He says, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. Now look, the divine nature is God's character or God's nature on the inside of you. God said, look, you want to be partakers of God's character? Everybody, I want to be like Jesus. I want Jesus' character on the inside. Okay, that's what my mind says. My body doesn't necessarily agree with that, but my mind says that, my mind agrees with that, my body just gets manipulated from time to time. But my mind knows what is good and cleaves to what is good. I want Jesus, all of him, I want it in here. I want Jesus inside of me, and I want, and he says, he's given me precious promises that by these we may be partakers of the divine nature. So I've got the promise. What do you do with a promise? You speak the promise out. That's what you do with the promise. But dad, you promised to do such and such and such and such. But dad, you promised to take me for a drive in the car. Dad, you promise. You speak the promise out. To access the promise, you remind the promise. You remind them. Oh, you promised. This is what you said. Your character's online here. You said you would do it. I trust you. Well, you know, I'm waiting for it now. The promise. He said, we, we get the divine nature. It's, he's promised this. And then look what he says. Having escaped 
escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Everybody say lust. So lust. 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 Yeah, it's got that feel about it. All it means is strong desire. And there is no value added to lust. Lust is deceptive, not because it is wrong. It's not wrong to be hungry. You just know, you don't eat for a week and you come in this, at the table, there's a lovely bowl of uh, uh, pumpkin soup. You know, what you're going to do? You're going to lust for some pumpkin soup. You are going to feel strongly to eat some soup because you're hungry. Now, the, look. The lust, the strong feeling is not the problem. It's not value-rated. It's not bad or good. The thing that it does is the problem. The thing that you do with it is the problem. It's not wrong having an appetite. It's wrong to abuse the appetite and to be controlled by the appetite. It's not wrong having sexual desire. But it's wrong for immorality to take place in your life until you give that desire free reign. So it's out of control. It's not wrong being proud of something that you've done and achieved. But it is wrong to think that you are something special because you are able to perform something like that. You think more highly than you are. So the emotions that you feel are not wrong They are just deceptive because they can lead you to make wrong conclusions. The feelings that you feel have the ability to persuade your mind to think the wrong thing. Because I am so hungry, I can't, I can't, I can't resist the food. Well, you can. You can. If I said you could eat it if you want, but I laced strychnine through it, and if you eat it, you'll die, you will resist eating it. You might say, oh, I can't resist it. I haven't eaten for five years. Well, that's okay. You know what? I did that before I put it on the table. I rolled it around on the floor in the chicken pen, and it's got chicken poo all through it. You still won't eat it. Because... The emotion manipulates your intelligence. The feeling manipulates your intelligence. It has the power to deceive you. And that's where you get caught every single time. You weigh up the strength of the emotion. And you think about it. And you make this conclusion. You can't resist it. Well, let me tell you something. Don't even try struggling with it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Don't struggle with it. Identify where it's coming from. Speak to it. And you'll be free. So the devil wants to excite that. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, he told, uh, do not give the devil a room. Do not give him a scabbard for your sword. Or do not give him a foothold. He said, don't let him get in. So once you yield, I mean, just imagine if Liz had yielded to that deception and she didn't come to church for two or three weeks. I, could, I would imagine that after two or three weeks, the devil would have had given her an opportunity to prove to herself that she is that disgusting little piece of whatever it is. She would have failed in a number of areas and she would have felt, though that's the proof of the evidence that I am actually that bad. You know, she would never have resisted it then. And then after a couple of weeks, that would have been reinforced, reinforced, reinforced. And we would have had a major problem here on the heart of Liz because inside the heart of Liz, she says, the evidence points to the fact that that's just as it was because I've done this, 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 this there. Now, I've actually done things to prove the fact that that's correct. But it wasn't ever correct. It was never correct. She just did some things now because she thought it was correct to prove that it was correct. And now she's living in a deception. She's completely deceived. It was never correct. She's now working it through in her life and she's making it correct. She is fulfilling the demonic prophetic by doing it. And then she dismissed God and said, well, God doesn't really matter. You know, God, I think God is friends, you know, and I'm not one of those. And, and the deceptions continue on. Beware. 
The devil wants us to own something in us that he can excite from without so that he can have a foothold within. Do you like that? Let's, let's just read that with me. Beware. The devil wants us to own something in us that he can excite from without so that he can have a foothold within. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I probably could have said that more simply, but I, I, the devil wants you to own something on the inside that he is beginning to excite from the outside because once you own it on the inside, he steps in and says, thank you now, I have some domain here. Think about it. You feel it. Oh, I'm feeling it. Now he says, okay, accept that it's yours. It's just me. Oh, thank you very much. I'm in here. Oh, we're not talking about Christians being demon-possessed or not. I'm not even going to go there. I want to tell you, if he's got your mind, he can do whatever he wants with you. You don't have to be there. You might be there. That's a furphy. The furphy is, is he there or not? The reality is, if you're a believer, he's not, kick him out. And don't give him anywhere he can rest there. Because he doesn't... He, just. So sin has this personality. Sin has a personality. I want you to get that. Temptation is a personality. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 to 3, it says, uh, You follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So the, the spirit, the evil spirit, uh, the satanic spirit is at work in those who are disobedient. So if you're being disobedient, whether you are born again or whether you're not born again, if you're being disobedient, if you're, if you're breaking God's directives for your life, if, there's a spirit at work, working in you, working over you to, to destroy you. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. There it is, the cravings of our flesh, the thoughts. They're there. You know, exciting all those stuff inside of you. Oh, you like that? Oh, make you feel real nice now. Yeah, now do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's you, it's you. Do it, do it, do it, do it. In James chapter 4, verses 7 to 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you come near to God and he will come near to you wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded there's a singleness of mind that God wants us to have you know now Jesus lives in you does Jesus live in you yeah oh, I don't understand why I'm feeling all these horrible emotions I don't understand why I'm feeling the lusts that I'm feeling the strong desires that I'm feeling I don't understand why I'm I have the fear that I'm feeling. I don't understand why I'm angry. Like, 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 I don't understand why I've got the anger inside of me. Why, if Jesus is living inside of me, how come all of this stuff is there too? How can, well, listen, friend. That's lust. It's the strong emotional stuff that's inside of you. You can't get rid of that until you die. You have to manage that. If you accept that that's going to be there and it has to stay there, then you're going to have a double time struggling with sin all your life because you've let it stay. But if you take Jesus' opinion and say that the Spirit of God is inside of me and even though I feel this now, this is not in me, it's coming at me and exciting something within me, I'm going to speak to it. You're not fighting it, you're speaking to it. You're not struggling with it, you're speaking to it. And the difference between struggling and speaking is not surviving, it's living. God wants you to live life more abundantly. You say, well, this is so far out of what I want to do. You know, I, you know live an abundant life, Jesus, it's just, uh, what you don't, live in the real world. Live in 21st century, riddle with the thoughts and the passions and the, live here where I live, Jesus. He says, yeah, I know, I mean... That's okay. Just speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, it says, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, 
to put off your old self, which is being corrupted in deceitful desires. Your old self, the old person that you were before Jesus, it says, listen to it, you were told to put it off. That's what you're told to do, put it off. Take it off like a garment. He says it's being deceived by deceitful stuff. All the emotions that you feel, that you'll feel when you leave here, all the emotions that you feel tomorrow after you sit and do something that's not great, all the emotions that you feel, they are there to deceitfully try and move you from where you should be and what you are and God to someone else. You need to take them off, throw them aside, and be renewed in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You have to make a choice. So the lure is to struggle rather than to speak. It's kind of built upon the lie that somehow your performance in struggling kind of makes you earn. You know, if you could struggle against sin and then you achieved the victory over sin, then you're kind of good, aren't you? That's the deception. You can't weed. If you try to fight sin, you will not win against sin. The fact that you get into the, the yard and put your gloves on to fight with sin is a problem. Jesus did not say, climb in with sin and wrestle sin because the mindset on the flesh is death. You will not win. Jesus said to you, you are more than conquerors. That means the battle is won while you are watching Jesus do the beating. Jesus does the beating, you step on the side, and I'm going to win because Jesus won. And now I'm going to talk to the thing that's coming to me. You want to fight? I'll get my brother Jesus onto you. You don't fight me. Jesus is the one that's fighting. You got Jesus, sick him. Sick him, Jesus. I'm not fighting you. I'm not wrestling with you. I'm telling you to, I'm telling you to go. You better run real fast because Jesus is coming to get you. And you need to recognize that it's not you doing the battling. It's not you looking up and there, oh, I I'm struggling with, with this thing. And, the, and you start to debate and you, you, whatever it is that you're struggling with. And you start, oh, the feelings and oh, you're watching. Your mind is set on it. Stop setting your mind on it. It's going to get stronger if you look at it. Don't look at it. Don't think about it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Don't entertain time with it. It's not worth entertainment. Oh, come on. You'd like to watch this again, wouldn't you? You watched it last time. And boy, doesn't that feel good? Yeah, there's a sordid sort of like, I like to watch that. Yeah. Stop. Speak to it before it gets too strong. Speak to it before it rises up inside of you. Look at it and say, no way, devil. Talk to it. Tell it to leave. You get in a hands on with it, you're going to lose. Because as soon as you put your hand on it, your mind is set on it. And the mind set on the flesh will kill you. You need to set your mind on the spirit. What did Jesus say about it? He said, speak to it. Romans chapter 6, last week we learned about this. He says, says, for if we were united with him in his likeness and his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, look at the tense, the old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. The word done away means it's rendered useless. Now this is body, this is our soma, this is our body, and it's full of, it's full of the flesh, which is the, the stuff that the devil excites, you know. He ticka, 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 and excites it inside. You know, from the outside, he comes and excites this inside. You know, what, what would make James angry? And then justice would make James angry. Well, we could work with that, you see. We could say, okay, he's got the ceiling. It has to be just. It has to be fair. Let's put a situation around him that excites unfairness or injustice, you know, so that he can... So he'll find in life that something will present itself and produce a situation where it's unjust and unfair. And immediately, what will happen... Within him, there's excited the sense of an injustice has taken place here. Oh, that's a good thing. A good thing in the right place and a bad thing in the wrong place. 
So he is excited now with a sense of injustice and he looks around and he sees the person. That person is bad, wicked and villainous and needs to be severely blamed and punished because of the injustice. So he's now casting judgment. He's now building attitude. Unforgiveness starts to surge for anger. I'm going to get that person. Retaliation. Why? Well, because the devil was able to use the situation to excite within him something from without. And he didn't say, well, listen, I'm going to leave that in the hands of God and I'm going to just say, Jesus, you look after him. I'm going to pray for that situation. But I am not going to take on this thing as though I am God and have to make a ruling on this thing. That's where we make big mistakes. We, we step into God's shoes and say, I want to know what the knowledge of good and evil is. We, I, want to, I want to make the casting, casting judgment here. I'll step into God. That person's going to go to hell. That person should go to hell. Oh, yeah, this is about that. And ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you. You got conned. You got conned with the emotions, the deceptive emotions that are just part of being life. You didn't speak to them, you just took them on board. And all of the rubbish that come with it just flowed into you and started to undermine you because you wouldn't stand strong. I'm not going to go here. I, I struggle so hard. I mean, I, I got up last night at about 11 o'clock and I, and, I, and I went through to around about 2 o'clock this morning trying to... This was the hardest sermon I've ever had to prepare. And in Romans chapter 7 is a difficult passage of Scripture. But essentially in Romans chapter 7, it, I, I want to... I listen... We have, I have great debates with good friends of mine about the relevance of Romans chapter 7, whether it speaks to us as believers or it speaks to us as unbelievers. Is this a pre-conversion state or is this after I'm converted state? I'm not even, that's not even a question because that's stepping into the realm of, you know, is this relevant to me? You know, I think it's an experiential thing. I think, are you experiencing a Romans chapter 7 experience or are you experiencing something different? You know, it's not about whether you're saved or unsaved. I think that we can all experience something in Romans chapter 7 from time to time. But I like the things that he's saying there. I think it's pre and I think it's post. I just think it's messy. But I want to, look, he starts off this whole chapter, and I'll do it because I know I've been preaching for 42 minutes now, <laughs> and I'm going to take just a five minutes more and see if I can wind this up for you. He starts off and he says, you know, I'm going to talk to those who know the law. That's what he says. You know, and, and, and those who understand the law. Because the law is the ability to be able to discern what's right and what's wrong because this is the command of God. You know, the Ten Commandments, there's one God, you know, no, no idols, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain, keep the Sabbath day holy, honor your mother and father, don't kill, don't uh, commit adultery, don't tell uh, lies, don't steal. And, and don't covet your neighbor's good. That's the law. Well, that's the broader Ten Commandments, you know. And by looking at the law, we get a good understanding of what, what, what is right and wrong. And we get a good excitement on the inside of what we're doing right and wrong. Because, you know, when we look at something like covetousness, and he uses that as an illustration, it becomes more powerful when we recognize, well, I'm looking at this, uh, this thing that's coming in the newsletter, news box, you know, and it's, I'm just wanting that new DVD, I just want that new product there. And then I'm excited with him. You know, that's covetousness. I'm looking at the neighbors. Oh, I like his car. I want his car. I like his wife. Oh, I like his wife. That's covetousness. And, and all of a sudden, it's excited within me, the fact that that's wrong, because the law's telling me that's wrong. So he's saying, I, I want to talk to those who know. He says, when you were governed by the law, you struggled against all the stuff that you do was wrong. And they do. And, and the Jews are still doing that there. They're living their lives trying to work out their righteousness by adherence to the rule. So they have the rules to keep the rules in front of them. And that's the Sabbath day. Oh, we don't buy or sell on the Sabbath. So, you know, and, and from six o'clock to such and such, we don't turn on the lights. We don't eat. You know, we do, and, and they keep it all because they have to keep the rules because it's their effort that makes them worth something. Their effort makes them worth something. So the law is locking me into an understanding of what's right and what's wrong and I'm recognizing I have to work harder 
I have to work harder to make sure that everything is right because it's up to me to battle the bad stuff. And he says, and he uses an illustration in the first thing. He says, I'm talking to those who know about the law. He says, look, he says, if, let's take a marrying situation. My wife and I are married. Look, she doesn't like me anymore. So she decides, look, Mark, you're too loud, too noisy at night time. You don't mow the lawns enough. I'm out of here and I'm going to marry Fred. So she divorces me and she marries Fred. Shock horror. The Bible says, well, you do that and you're considered to be an adulteress. So she becomes an adulteress because she, while she's married to Fred there, I am still alive. So that in the Bible says is adultery, you know. Uh, look, this is an illustration about the law. We're not going to get into marriage and stuff like that, okay? We can talk about that later. It's a messy one. There are exceptions and stuff. Now, if I were to die before that she got married to somebody else, I, I'd drop dead. But I'm out of it. So she's now a widow. Uh, wid- widow. And she sees Fred. And she marries Fred. It's fine. She can marry another person because I'm not alive. While I'm alive, she's an adulteress. If I'm dead, she's free to marry somebody else. And then he says, look, I'm using that to... He says, you were married to the struggle against sin with the law. He said, but when Jesus came, he died and he broke the bonds of sin struggle. He says, he killed the old man. You are no longer married to the old man and struggling against sin. You are married to Jesus. You're not an adulteress. You're free to marry someone else now because the old one is dead. You were governed by struggling every day. He says you can stop your struggling now because you can marry this one because I put that one to death. That's the illustration. That's why the illustration is there. And then he goes on and he starts talking about how difficult it is for him. You know... And the sinful passions. In the red he says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions were aroused by the law, were at work in my members to bear fruit to death. He says, you know, I had to think about the wrong and the right things, and the law would tell me this is wrong and this right, and I'd put my mind on that, and I'd start thinking about that, and the struggle would begin. The struggle would begin. I've got to try and be good, and I can't be good because I feel like I... All the passions are excited from without, and I'm struggling. And so he, he talks about this difficulty of knowing the right thing to do, yet having the law there speaking to you so we know the right and the wrong, which focuses our attention on it, and then getting caught in a situation that I know the right thing to do, but because I'm focusing on the law, I keep on doing the wrong thing. And he says, you know, I'm struggling. And then he says, in the end, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this body of death? He says, I, I, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. He says, I know it's sin within me that does it. It's a personality that's inside of me that's doing it. I know what God wants me to do. I can see it. I can see it. But because I'm not going to speak it, I'm going to struggle with this. I keep on struggling and I can't get free from this. You cannot fight sin and win. You cannot struggle against temptation and win. You will not do it. You cannot do it. It's impossible for you to achieve it. If you do achieve it, you'll be proud about it and you're sinning again. This is not about self-effort. This is about liberty where the spirit of Jesus, there is freedom. This is freedom. Look, you do not have to struggle with this thing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of earth? Thanks be to Jesus who set me free from this thing. Listen, I speak to it now. Oh, I feel it still. 
How many people feel it? You all feel it still. I sat and talked to a friend and she said, I feel it. But she says, I refuse to cooperate with it. I feel it. It's all there. But I ref- she said, sometimes I think I'm going to burst because it's so strong. But I refuse to cooperate. It's like having a, an itch that you refuse to scratch. It's there and it says, scratch me, scratch me, scratch me. But you say, I will not put my hand on it. I will not scratch it. Speak to it. Itch. Go. And then get on with the rest of your life. Speak to it. You get in there and you, you struggle with it, friends. And look, this is not about struggle. This is about liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. That's true or it's not true? It's true. You know why we get it wrong? Because we've been told the lie. We think it's just us and we have to struggle with it. You don't have to struggle. It's not you. It's something coming from outside, trying to excite something inside. Don't give it room. Tell it to leave. Tell it to leave. And everybody said, Amen, I've had enough. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we're sorry for thinking that we have to complete the work that you began. Lord Jesus, you said that you would sanctify us, our whole spirit, soul, and body by your spirit. Lord Jesus, you said that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it's you that are working within us to work and to will for your good pleasure. Yes, Lord, I know that we have to put aside the things of the flesh that we should put to death those things that are not appropriate, Lord Jesus. But Lord, help us not to recognize that this, help us to recognize that this does not mean that we struggle with them, we just put them out in Jesus' name. Help us to speak to the temptation. Help us to speak to the emotions. Help us to set ourselves apart from those things, to disassociate ourselves from the way we feel, and to set ourselves in the heavenly realms with you, Jesus. And see what we have with you, Jesus. And then from that domain, Lord Jesus, the domain of your spirit, Lord Jesus, help us to speak to those things that pervade in our lives from time to time. Don't let us get conned into struggling with the chickens, Lord Jesus. Help us to soar with the eagles, I pray. And everyone said, God bless you.